The Chris Sheeran Show, only on YesNetwork.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Chris Sheeran Show on YesNetwork.com and the iTunes Podcast Network. Just type in my name, Chris Sheeran, and you can get this fabulous podcast for free on your smartphone or smart device, making you a very intelligent person. As always, I am joined with uh, Lou DiPietro, not uh, literally joined, but he is my right-hand man. Siamese can join twins. Yes, he is on my right-hand side. My right, your left, as we begin this podcast here today. And, you know, the... So if you were Andrew Miller and I were Brian Mitchell, our yeah. injured extremities would be close together. Yeah, pretty much. Hmm. Um, you know, going back to the hit TV show, Get Smart, which is before a lot of our listeners' times, I guess, or, or maybe not, I don't know, but you could do the Google search kitties and you could figure it out. Hashtag Google at millennials. Yeah, but there was a famous saying on that show where the uh, lead character, Maxwell Smart, uh, used to say, missed it by that much. And that's pretty much what this Yankee team has to be feeling right now because they almost made it out of spring training with no injuries. Uh, unfortunately, this is not horseshoes. And the two guys that are injured were supposed to be two key cogs in this Yankees bullpen. One, of course, like the bazooka to kill an ant, is Andrew Miller, who has a fractured bone in his non-throwing hand. A a chip fracture. Chip fracture in the... (laughs) Chip Chipperson? (laughs) Uh, Chip fracture in the... Paraphernals? I Yeah, we're not doctors. He said to Google it, and I didn't yet. I'm Dr. Rosen Rosen. Um, but he has a chip fracture, what's that, in his right wrist, his non-throwing hand. And um, unfortunately for Brian Mitchell, uh, the worst was discovered today on his MRI. He not only has a grade 3 turf toe, but he also has a fracture in his left Big toe. Now, listen, I've never pitched in the major leagues. I'm not saying I did. I never pitched in the minor leagues, never saying I did, but I still pitch today. I had plantar warts on my left pinky toe, which is my landing foot, me being a righty, Mitchell's a righty mm-hmm. as well. Yep. This, and you, I don't care what, t- I, he could be a Red Sox, and I would hate to see this happen to anybody. He's had a ridiculous spring training. He was set, he gets hit in the head last year. And he wasn't the same back, regardless no, of what he says. Comes back from that last season, pitches at the end of the year, right? Mm-hmm. And then has a tremendous spring training. And then right before, right after he's told he made the team and they're going to break camp, he breaks his big toe, pushing off the mound to go cover. I mean, such a freak accident, Lou. It's unbelievable. And, you know, if you look at, as we tape this, the the Yankees game in Tampa's in the sixth inning. The one in Lakeland is also underway. There's two games left against the Marlins, which are basically mere formalities at this point to get the entire team to play nine innings kind of thing. The three guys who have pitched the best in camp with the best numbers, Brian Mitchell, Kirby Yates, Jason Shreve. And Mitchell now, as you said, will not break camp with the right. team, which is just horrible. And he could be out for three months. Three months. I mean, this went from, like, it, it, you know, yesterday the game wasn't on TV. They were in, uh, in Lake Buena Vista at Disney World. A very unhappy trip to Disney World for the Yankees yesterday. Um. And, you know, the Miller thing happened in the seventh inning, and, you know, it was, oh, God, it's whatever. 
And then, oh yeah, by the way, Mitchell kind of limped into the clubhouse in the eighth inning. Maybe he's got a little bit of a sprain One or something. After the other, it's and like... it, uh, what was a sprain turns you get, as you got the best case scenario with with Miller, I guess you get the worst case scenario with Mitchell, where a sprain turns into a three month broken foot. Yeah, and and Miller jokingly, half jokingly said, as the beat reporters put it, that if he goes to a doctor and it says the doctor he can't, he can't says he can't play, he's definitely going to another doctor to get another yeah. opinion. He doesn't see. Um, a broken bone, a chip fracture, if you will, is the correct determination here. But he doesn't see that on his non-throwing hand keeping him off the field. He wants to be ready. Right. For, for and he day. thinks he can be ready for opening day. But Mitchell, on the other hand, I mean, it just kills me to see a kid come back from everything he's come back. He's like the living version, the Yankees' living version of Job from the Bible. I mean, that guy had everything, everything with the kitchen sink thrown at him. Now, yep. you got to remember, like, coming back from this, you got to get back into shape. You got and, and every time, now look, every time he threw a pitch, like Lou said, you can't say that he wasn't expecting a line drive coming screaming back at his head after what happened last year. But he did have a great camp. Now... Every time he plants his foot, it's going to be in the back of his head. I'd love to get a doctor on uh, and maybe a pitcher who's had this injury just to see the ramifications like when you're coming back from this. Because your plant foot, as we've seen with CeCe Sabathia and that bulky right knee of his, that can destroy everything that he's worked up to this I mean, Chin Ming Wong destroyed his shoulder. Because he had to compensate for the list Frank fracture in his foot, so I mean that he got round in the bases in Houston. You know that's the that's the worst case scenario. Basically ended uh, his career if you look at it. Yeah, and I mean that's the worst case scenario. What could happen? Who don't? I mean, who knows? Maybe this injury is, for lack of a better way to put, it, I don't want to mitigate anything, but maybe it's like you know, tame enough that yeah. it's it's going to be all right. Everything will heal great, and he'll be out a couple months and whatever. You just never know, and and I've mentioned it on this podcast before. This is kind of a make or break year for Mitchell. It's his last year. You know, if he was optioned out, it'd be his last option year. Is he a starter? Is he a reliever? How's he pitching? What's he doing? Just, well, that's it, the it, other. It's thing. a huge injury because it's the versatility too in the bullpen, right? Because that Adam Warren role now is. I mean, but see, does that make know. if if CC gets the fifth spot now? Does Ivan Nova? I mean, does that make Joe Girardi's job easier with that decision? I almost does, think it does, has to. Does Nova just walk into that I, role? Now? I almost think it has to. I, I mean, either that or it's you know Anthony Swarzak is the last non-roster pitcher in camp. He, you know, you may remember him from his time with the Twins. He was a reliever. He was a starter in Korea last like year. Troy McClure. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, that's reference you said number that, two. And bang, that's the first thing that comes to One mind. One of these days, I'm going to do like. One of these podcasts, I'm going to do that. You know that sportscaster in Arizona, wherever it is, that does like the 15 X references in two minute like highlights kind of oh, thing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We we'll yeah. have to do that when you're like shoehorn 10 references from something into yeah. the show and get every pick. I'm anyway. Anthony Swazak, and you may remember me from such pitching as the I don't I forget the KBO Tigers. <laughs> I think is who we played for. Um, the I guess that's the Kia Tigers. I don't know. All their all their teams are named after corporations, kind of like in Japan. Gotcha. The corporation that owns them is named, you know, they're named after uh, that. Uh, back to the point, uh, maybe he becomes that guy because he's got the, the flexibility experience. I mean, he, he's not the not last non-roster guy in camp for no reason. Double negative. So, <laughs> I mean, he's scheduled to pitch today. Aroldis Chapman just dominated in a 10-pitch inning. But you got his suspension to start the year. Right. 
And then you you know you almost wonder if Swarzak now is going to you know Kirby Yates is supposed to pitch too, but you almost wonder if Swarzak's going to pitch too, and then Kirby goes to the ninth. Um, you also have to wonder if maybe now Roldis Chapman is going to go to Miami and pitch once or twice because, well, hell, he's got a month off. Yeah. So if something happens to him, I mean, you hate to think of it this way, but if something happens to him, he's already got a month. He he, he could practice though, correct? He can he can work out at the minor league complex. He just can't play in a game that counts. Gotcha. So he can spend. He'll he'll be at at Himes for a month, thirty five days, whatever it is, because it's thirty games. The Yankees have a lot of off days, but you almost wonder if he's he's now definitely going to pitch this weekend, just because you got to figure Sunday was going to be like everybody that's left in camp go. <laughs> Here's two innings. The five of you who are left fighting for spots go. Here's two innings each. Donatello's Flemings. Oh, is, Prime. Is, is Leroy Selman still down there? Leroy Selman's is still there. The Cap Girl. There's there's a lot of good restaurants in Tampa Absolutely. for a roll of Chapman who, uh, in the up. mall too. Bar Louie and Bar Martini. Louis. Yeah. Bar Louie had the best tater tots mm. I've ever had in my life. It was like a skillet with eggs and tater tots. I've only ever actually eaten there once. Based on the name, I've been there a few times for other activities, but uh, I've only actually eaten there once. We went out to dinner. Uh, after last year in spring training, actually, after a night game, it was our good friend Mike Medvin's birthday. Uh, so after the night game, we went out to Bar Louie for dinner and, and festivities, libations, lunch and festivities, lunch there's another and men- libations. There's another uh, movie reference for you. <sighs> Wayne has invited us to Shenandoah for lunch and festivities. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, this, I, I brought up the versatility in the bullpen with Mitchell going down now and po- potentially for three months. He was a guy that Lou said was going to be that Adam Warren type that Joe Girardi was going to use like that, and now he's gone. So maybe Ivan Nova fills in that need. And that does make Joe Girardi's, I think, his decision with CC and the whole Nova thing. Now that could kind of slip exactly where it was going to slip into anyway. No one's going to be worse for wear. Like, well, why, why is it Nova? Why is it CC in the bullpen? Well, this is why. Because Brian Mitchell is no longer a part of the bullpen, and we need somebody who is reliable out there, and that's Ivan Nova. We need him to be able to spot start if CC goes down, or if one of the starters goes down. We also need long relief, and he could provide that. And Nova's a feast or famine guy. You know if he has it, and you know if he doesn't. So, right. I mean, there's, there's that. Well, we saw that in his last two starts. The thing about it is, is this is, what's, this is the weird dichotomy of the spring for both guys. CC's early starts were awful. Terrible. Just awful. And his last two or three have been very good on the whole. Nova was excellent until about St. Patrick's Day, stunk for two weeks, and then threw literally six shutout innings. That was the best start now that Pineda, I don't know what whoever whoever was pitching in Lakeland, it was Chad Green, so I don't know what he did. But assuming he didn't throw six shutout innings today, with two games out of 33 left, Avon Nova turned in the best Yankees pitching performance of the spring in game 29. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that that and, says that's something to to speak to. And going back to Miller, I mean, he Shreve has been lights out this. Shreve is not allowed too. a base runner, right? As of as of today, I, I think he's pitching. I think he's pitching this weekend. But as of coming into the games today, through twenty eight, because they had a game rained out, uh, he is not allowed a base runner. That's unbelievable. And Miller, this is, you know, we shouldn't speculate, and and I shouldn't really speculate, but in my opinion, if this fracture, if a doctor, and he joked about, you know, going to get a second opinion if if the first doctor tells him he can't play, but I'm telling you right now, if a doctor tells this guy, 
you can't go out there because and, – and look, he told reporters today, how many balls did I field last year? Three, four? I mean, you guys can go back and look. That's not the ca- – I mean, that's the, you can't look at it that way because all it takes – All it takes is one. Is one Just line drive. Brian Mitchell. Well, right. <laughs> Miller. Right. But here's the thing. You don't know – you can't predict if a ball is going to come out there. And a pitcher's normal instinct is not to duck away or get out of the way of a ground ball or a line drive. It's to try and go and catch it. How many pitchers throughout your lifetime, everybody out there listening, and I could just picture CC Sabathia doing it more than once since he's been with the Yankees, heck, almost two handfuls, where he releases the ball with his left hand, the ball gets hit, smacked right back at him, whether it's a grounder or a line drive, and he's reaching for it with his left hand. Mm-hmm. Now, if a ball gets rocketed back at Miller's glove side, what is he going to do? Duck out of the way? No. A pitcher's natural reaction is to try to snag that ball. And if a doctor tells the Yankees if he tries to catch another line drive, and it could happen, and if he tries to catch it, this could go from a chip fracture to something a lot worse, and then he's going to miss who knows how much time? Right, and and you know at the very least, in the in the best worst or worst best case scenario, if you want to call it either one, you know if he can pitch for a month before something needs to be taken care of until Chapman gets back, and then you kind of swap him out. I mean, like you hate to think about that kind of scenario, but even if that's the case, you know it is it is what it is. Um, you know, so like, can you can you cast it? I mean, can can you can you cast it without a thumb extension so that it's just kind of like a soft cast or even a hard cast without the hand? Like, what what can you do? How can we work around this? That's that's really what the decision is now. Well, the best case scenario is that there's something, and he was wearing something on his glove hand today. If there's something that he could wear protectively on his glove hand to protect where this fracture is, and he can go out there and pitch safely, he'll be out there opening day. If not, I guarantee you the Yankees are not going to take any chances with this guy. This is supposed to be their lights-out bullpen. It took two major—well, it could be two major hits. It's one major hit. It could be two if Miller is sidelined for any amount of time because when you start in April, Lou knows this as well as anybody, anybody who follows this team, who follows the game of baseball. The month of April, the month of May— your starters are not up to snuff yet, unless you're maybe Dallas Keuchel. But your starters, seven shutout innings yesterday in his yeah, final tune-up. Your starters are basically not up to snuff yet. You are using the bullpen a lot. Yeah. You're using the bullpen a lot. So with Mitchell down, with Miller maybe possibly down as we tape this, or maybe not, that is a huge hit to a team that has to now figure out a way, if Miller's gone too – in order to get from maybe a five-inning start to the ninth inning. And that could be dicey when you're already, you know, ripping tickets for the Scranton shuttle at the beginning of April. That's true. And, you know, the Yankees have the benefit of some strategic off days. So, you know, if Tanaka's not up to snuff on opening day, he, he still hasn't been technically announced as the opening day starter as we, uh, as we tape this. Here's Anthony Swarzak. Um, it's not Sterling Hitchcock? No. Sorry. But uh, good reference, though. Thank but you. Um, you know, if he only goes five innings, you can use as much of the bullpen as you need because everybody has a day off on Tuesday, and then you know, as you go forward, you can plan around off days and things like that. But this is really going to test the Yankees' bullpen depth one way or the other because they're going to need seven guys in that bullpen on opening day. 
Brian Mitchell's not going to be one of them. Or Oldest Chapman's not going to be one of them. So by default, they're already down to their ninth option right. is in the bullpen on opening day. It could be 10 if Andrew Miller can't go. Right, and that's not good. No. That's definitely not good. Now, now granted, the Yankees used 31 pitchers last year, but still. Right? You don't, you don't want to have to call up Matt Tracy and Joel De La Cruz on April 12th because you, you, you've, you've utilized your entire now, bullpen multiple times. Before we, before we go to the lineup really quick, because I wanted to ask you a couple questions about that. Um, Luis Sessa was, was brought in here last year. Or this, Over the winter. This, yeah. this past offseason. He was I'm in the sorry. Justin Wilson trade. Right, in the Justin Wilson trade to the Tigers. Kind, he, kind of ironic, by the way, that Sessa and Chad Green were the two guys who started the two games against right. the Tigers this week. Right. Not that you want to show them Pineda or Severino or whoever should have started, but that's just ironic. Anyway, go ahead. Um, but Sessa, who, you know, you look at his minor league stats. Now, I know you can't get too worked up about spring training numbers. I mean, but at the same time, you can, because that's how guys make teams. Right. So he's had, you look at his minor league numbers before the trade, eh, you know, you looked at that, we looked at that trade he's, last he, year. He stunk in AAA. There's no right. two ways about it. He and, was great, great at Binghamton, stunk in Vegas, stunk in Toledo. And we looked at that trade and we were both like, eh, well, you know, you need a little depth with the starters, yeah. you know, with what happened last year with these starters and what could potentially happen this year. But. He's had a pretty damn good camp. Do you think? Do you think he could, especially with Mitchell? I mean, is he one of the arms that they take with them? I think there's two thing, two ways to look at this. With or Mitchell, is it Swarzak? With Mitchell making the team as a reliever, you almost wonder if that killed Sessa's chances because they needed that rotation depth. If you were to look at the AAA rotation right now, assuming nobody opted out that may or may not have had an opt out, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know full contract status, but you know, Kyle Haynes has pitched really well this spring. He was in ma- major league camp for a little bit. Uh, Through five shutout innings last week in in a triple-A game, an inter-squad game. He's scheduled to pitch, I think, yesterday or today again, like his final tune-up. And these guys, you know, they also have an extra four days because the the season in Scranton doesn't start till the 7th. So they have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, kind of, you know, extra time. But Richard Blyer was in camp for a little while. He's kind of been a double-A, triple-A starter the last few years with the Nationals and others. Tyler Cloyd, same thing. They brought him in um, to kind of be that guy. Uh, Haynes has pitched really well. So there may be enough rotation depth in AAA, add in Chad Green, you know, Green, Haynes, Sessa, Blyer, five. You know, maybe there's enough, maybe Matt Tracy makes the rotation. Who knows? There may be enough depth there that you can take a chance and roll the dice and use Sessa as a long guy. You never know. Maybe, maybe something happens. Maybe Nova gets traded, you know, for middle. Who knows what's going to happen? Over the next, the Yankees don't have to set their roster until noon on Sunday. So there's, you know, 48 plus whatever time it is hours to go before you have to worry about that. Um, you never know. I, I personally wouldn't do it, especially when you've got a guy like Swarzak who can fill that role. You know, the Yankees brought in a lot of guys this year, also, you know, not just the, the starters, but the Vinny Pestanos of the world, mm-hmm. trading for Kirby Yates. Um, I'm drawing a blank on some Tyler Olson, who's just sent down. You know, they trade, they acquired him in the trade where they originally got Ronald Torres with mm-hmm. the Dodgers. They brought in a lot of guys like that to to fight for spots too, because they're going to need all the pitchers. There's going to be 12 in, in New York on opening day and 12 or 13. Yeesh. Good lord, that was smashed. That watch watch highway. out on Martin Luther King Drive. Wow. Um, 
That was you a know, shot. That's in the skunk cabbage. There's there's going to be 12 guys in New York on opening day, 12 or 13 in Scranton on opening day, and that's not counting the three or four that are suspended, hurt, whatever. It's you know 30 pitchers deep on opening day for the, just the top two levels. So ah, it's going to be interesting. I'm glad you brought up Tor... Torres, Torres, Torres. I'm glad you brought up his name because he made the squad. Uh, Rob Refsnyder did not, mm-hmm. um, and everybody's all upset. The Rob Refsnyder Twitter know, police, and I know he had a rough day, made an error, then got smacked in the face twice with a with a ground with a with a bad. Oh, Tommy Pham hit that. Damn. Well, that was that was smoked off of uh, Swarzak. Didn't have a shot to stay in the ballpark. No. Um, but it doesn't shock me. It really doesn't. I, I, I don't know what it is. Last year, I thought this this kid had the mold to play at the major league level. Had I know his defense was a was a liability, mm-hmm. but at the same time, when you have a guy like Chase Headley who's making twenty errors at third base. He's not going to be out there every day. No, he's well. He's, he almost was last year. He's filling in. Yeah. Chase, because Chase, Chase Headley almost what? I played 156 games or whatever. No, I'm talking about right. Ref Snyder. Yeah, and the other six games were a combination of Drew Ryan and, and Cole Figueroa. Right. Um, that could have contributed to it, but you know he he admitted to a little tin cup sh- shanks yep. <laughs> last year. Look, here's he says he's going to get over it this here's year. Here's the deal with that. Here, here's the deal with the. I'll give you the pros and the cons of the Rob Ref Snyder situation. I feel like there should be a graphic. The Rob Ref Snyder situation. Mm-hmm. Here's the pros. He goes to third base, or he goes to Scranton to play third base every day. Now, the Yankees have Donovan Solano. They have Davidson Romero. They have whatever. Somebody may or may not get, end up getting released. Who knows? But they have guys. But Ref Snyder can go down there and pretty much get everyday reps at third base for a month, two months, six months. Mm-hmm. Here's the cons. Okay. There's no con to this. The Rob Ref Snyder Twitter police are out in full force. Oh, God, they're screwing Ref Snyder. Blah, 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 blah. Listen, there may be no beat writer. Is, is Torres more versatile? Can he play? Yeah, he can play more? short, second, and third. Okay. There may be no beat writer more cool, for lack of a better word, with Ref than me. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying Ref and I have known each other for. A few years now, uh-huh. going back to when we first talked to him when he was in Trenton for the first right. time. And, you know, we're going on three, four years now. You know, I've gotten to know Ref a little bit. He's a good, he's a good guy. He understands the situation. He's always on an even keel. He gets it. He knows what's going on. This is, you know, an opportunity for him to, to make himself more useful, for lack of a better word, to the Yankees. Because now that Starlin Castro is in town for the next four years, theoretically, unless Didi Gregorius, something happens to him, and Castro's a disaster at second, second and they move him. Second base is not going to be. Second base right. is not open. So, so they moved him to third to make a spot for him. Little versatility helps. They want to get his bat up there. He played well down the stretch last year. He got the start in the wild card game. And you can't say, well, he didn't play well in the wild card game because who did? They got three hits. So, you know, I don't know. Who, who pitched well? Batansis maybe was the one guy who played well in that game because he pitched a scoreless inning. Uh, I mean, let's be fair. So. This is a move to increase his versatility. He's going to go get reps. He's doing whatever he needs to do to give himself a shot. And there's no con to that other than the Rob Ref Snyder Twitter police are out en masse. And let's be fair. I, again, I love Ref. He's a great guy. He's a good hitter. This is not Mike Trout we're talking about, guys. I mean, it's not Bryce Harper. It's, it's Rob Ref Snyder. He's, he's hit well, yes. 
He wasn't great defensively at second base, but he was learning. He's not great defensively at third base just yet, but he's learning. I mean, give the guy a break. Stop putting all this undue pressure on the Rob Refsnyder situation. That's really all there is to it. Swarzak is not pitching well. No, by the he's way. not. <laughs> um, I just pointed that out. But there's to you. there's just so much undue pressure on him from the media, the fans, this that. Like, it's just like leave, let the guy be. Let him, you know, let him play. So yes, honestly, Ronald Torres is the better option. He can play shortstop. He can mm-hmm. play second base. He can play third. So. He can be Chase Headley's backup. He can also be Didi Gregorius's backup so that you don't have to move Starlin Castro off second base when Didi needs a day off. That's really what you want. You that's, want a Brendan Ryan. I mean, you want a better hitter than Brendan Ryan, but you want a Brendan Ryan. That's pretty much the best answer to the Rob Ruffin. And congrats situation to Torres. That's, that's great for him. Like, yeah, absolutely. This is a real, this, I mean, this guy, you may or may not know his story depending on how often you, know, you, you pay attention to guys like him or. Yankees How much? named Masahiro Tanaka their opening day starter for the second consecutive season. So there you go. Great. The, the worst-kept secret in America is now out. We broke news yeah. here on the podcast. Um, well, not really. That you won't hear until You won't hear tonight. until 4.30. <laughs> um, <laughs> Torres was acquired from the Dodgers in December or January with Tyler Olson. They traded Rob Sagan and Cash to the Dodgers for these two guys. They cut Torres when they added Lane Adams off waivers from Kansas City. Torres went to the Angels. The Angels cut him when they acquired whoever it was from there was a trade I, I don't know exactly who was in it but I think it was a trade with Detroit. Detroit designated somebody for assignment when they signed Justin Upton. Mm-hmm. The Angels traded for him and then DFA'd Torres. The Yankees got him back and DFA'd Adams. Adams slucked through waivers. He's going to be in the minors this year and now Torres is on the opening day roster. This is the guy's fifth organization in like a year because he started with the Blue Jays last year, went to the Dodgers, was with the Angels for a bit, the Yankees, and there's some Pittsburgh, I think, in there too. Like, he's had a hell of the last 365 days. So that's good for him. Yeah. That's good for him. And now he's on, and now he's a major leaguer. He doesn't have to live out of a suitcase anymore. Mm-hmm. He could actually, you know, hunker down for you a You got other things to worry about. Like what? Like packing for Cleveland. Ding. Ding. Um, and he's out there right now, number 74. Besides besides uh, the obvious bullpen situation right now with, you know, Mitchell out and Miller might be out, what, what worries you about this team right now? <sighs> is, it the, is it the starters? Is it parts of the lineup? Well, 24 hours ago, I would have said things were going too well. Something catastrophic was going to happen, and it did. Because I mentioned that when I came back from Springs. Like, things have gone way too well. Yeah, I know you said that. Here's what worries and me. And ever about, since you said that, here's what worries me about fault. this. Uh, what what worries me about this team? There is, well, there's one starter who has put together a string of three straight good starts this spring. Severino. Yeah, that's it. Pineda's come close. Pineda's. Pineda's only made three starts, so I guess he's technically close. Well, this was his fourth, and it didn't go well. He he only allowed one run in nine innings and three starts. He pitched in a minor league game. He's looked good. But Pineda and Severino, Tanaka's looked shaky a lot of this spring. We, we've talked about CeCe and Nova. And Evaldi has looked decent, but Evaldi has had the Nathan Evaldi uh, situation, which used to be known as the Jarrett Wright situation, which was like one bad inning and everything unravels. 
And he's had that in three of his starts this year, where he's just had one bad inning and everything unravels. It he, was the sixth inning on Easter Sunday. He goes deep into counts, and yep. it's, it, you you have no idea why. Like the command that that was the word when he first came to the the command. That was the word command, 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 mm-hmm. and that's still it. The guy has electric stuff. You know, you talk to Brian McKay. Oh my God, his stuff is ridiculous. You talk to ca- any catcher. That was with the Yankees that caught him last year. They said the same thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if he could just harness it and command it, he. The game I watched this spring, three three two, almost every batter was three two. Yeah, and it was like that last. Oh, year. Nice oh boy! And it was like that last year. I filled in for Meredith early on in the season. Uh. I think it was late April when they played the Mets the first time. It was a Sunday night game. Yeah, that was the first part of the Subway Series. Yep. And Curtis Granderson tattooed one to lead off the game. He only threw five innings. I don't even think he threw five innings. He, he didn't make it out of the fifth. And Nice effort by Torres there on that ball. He was throwing BBs. He was throwing 99. He, was, he hit 100. But the command just wasn't there. And it, it, it must drive mm-hmm. pitching coaches and managers batty that this guy has the stuff that he has and he can't harness it to the point where he is, you know, out there and throwing seven innings to eight innings every start. It, it just baffles he, my mind that he, he has can't do that stuff. with the stuff and that he has. This is a terrible comparison because very few people are. But, you know, you look at a guy like Clayton Kershaw. Now here's a guy. Avaldi has that kind of stuff. And if he could harness his off-speed pitches, which he's been working on with Larry Rothschild over the last year plus – and this and then he hardens like he has that kind of stuff to be that kind of pitcher if and when it all clicks. The problem is it hasn't all clicked, and there's a lot of games where nothing clicks for Evaldi. Like you said, the fastball command is off, the off speed stuff isn't working very well. You know what else I don't it's, like? It's very frustrating. When the other announcers that are doing the game say Eovaldi. Yeah, it's it's Avaldi. <laughs> Evaldi, if you want. <laughs> Nasty Nate, hashtag. You know, maybe that's why he's in his third organization in five years. Maybe. But, I mean, who knows? You know, he, he went to the Dodgers, from the Dodgers to the uh, Marlins in that gigantic trade a few years ago. And, you know, then came here last year. So, you know, maybe that's part of it. So, maybe the Dodgers were like, you know, we got enough of these guys. And maybe the Marlins were willing to give him up because, yeah, he throws hard. But what else he got? So right now as we tape this, the bullpen may be fractured itself along mm-hmm. with the the fracture on the biggest member of the bullpen yeah. right now. And uh, the rotation hasn't been consistent in the spring. Right. Now, we all know it doesn't really matter until it starts in April on Monday, the 4th, against the Astros. Uh, and it also doesn't help that Dallas Keuchel will be on the <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to set the over-under so, at three hits, and yeah, you got to hope the Yankees hit the over. If you're going to opening to day fair. on the 4th, Dress warm because it's supposed to be 45 degrees. First a, of all. dress warm, and I did see snow in the forecast. Uh, and B. Yeah, we were supposed to get a wintry mix on Monday night into Tuesday, which is great for opening my hot tub on Tuesday. If you're looking, ooh. Hmm. Is James Brown going to be there? <laughs> hot tub time machine? James, the, the Clarvins will be there with their lambshanks. James lamb Brown's celebrity hot tub. But uh, Virginia and Ronald Clarvin will be there <laughs> in the hot tub. Number two, sorry, we uh, get off track. Uh, no, I, I, don't, I don't even know. Pinders pitch well too. You, it was kind of surprising. He you got said option, hot tub, and I like automatically lost my train of thought. Um, 
But yeah, the starters have to be more consistent. And uh, Dallas Keuchel, that's where I was. Dallas Keuchel, if you're going there and you're expecting a hit parade <laughs> on opening day for the Yankees, just go to uh, Baseball Reference, okay, and uh, go to 2015 and do Dallas Keuchel's Versus split the against the Yankees. Yeah, they didn't score a single runoff. Yeah. And this spring, Keuchel went seven shutout innings. I think he gave up two hits yesterday. Like, he was dominant. Opening day, just getting you ready for it, but opening day for Yankee fans is pretty much going to be Bill Lumberg asking you to come in and work on Saturday yeah. and Sunday. He, uh, I think 17 yeah. innings this spring, he's got like uh, – some like eighteen strikeouts, three seven hits, like three walks. It's, it's he's been ridiculous. No, it's cold. Something could happen. You know, yeah. they could they could get a couple of hits, maybe an error. Something happens. Who knows? But uh, you know, it was pretty cold in October. Brandon Pinner is. We're getting a good shot of him here as we're watching the Yes broadcast. Brandon Pinner, uh, AJ and I nicknamed him Moose. Why? Because Pinner's a big dude, and he's just like. And we're not talking like husky or like like his head, shoulders, body. Like he's like he's square. He's a huge dude. He just looks like that guy that played middle linebacker on your like mid Texas all star high school football team. You know what I mean? Like he just looks like that guy. He's a beast. And by the way, this, this is something I the Yankees, you know, they take their share of abuse. But I'll tell you what. When they do this seventh inning thing with, and they honor Honoring a the member, of the, member of, of the military, um, I, I tip my hat to the organization. I mean, they've been consistent with this since 2009-11. You know, I don't know if the Cardinals still do it, but I, I know the Yankees are one of the teams in baseball that still do this. And, you know, every time I see someone in their fatigues out there, I get goosebumps, and I really appreciate that the organization does that. My uh, my wife's great uncle was actually one of the really? one of the military members on awesome. last year. Yeah, he's a World War II veteran. He's nine, 90 years old now. God bless him. Yeah, um, yeah, I think he's ninety now. And uh, yeah, he was Labor Day the Sunday of Labor Day weekend. Yeah. I think it was. My grandfather would be ninety three if he was still alive yep. today. I have his the the new podcast uh, studio Same. is my office, so I could look in my mirror and see his one of his two. Purple Hearts and his uh, flag that was on his coffin is <clears throat> adorned atop my. Uh, yeah, we desk, have um, so. we have we have my wife's grandfather's actually in the house as well. Yeah. Um, there's they have two. We have one, and her brother has one. My brother has the other one. Yep, he got shot in the shoulder, and if you could believe this, he got shot in the head. Oof. Got shot in the head. He was on patrol all the time in the jungle. He was in the Pacific Theater. Mm-hmm. In the Philippines, <clears throat> and um, under the watchful, uh, the watchful guise of the Navy and Mister MacArthur. Yes, yes, and uh, this one day he always wore his baseball cap, and this one day his CO said, "Billy, will you put your cover on? There's snipers everywhere." Took his baseball hat off, put his helmet on, and wouldn't you know it, shot in the head. Shot in the head. The helmet stopped the bullet, but to the day he died, you could, he, he would take your finger and put it in the indentation in his skull where from where hit. he got shot. And the bullet in his shoulder remained in there because the doctor said, if we take it out, you're going to lose your right arm. Your, the, 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 the functionality nurse, yeah. of your right arm is going to be gone if we take this bullet out. So... Not to be Debbie Downer on the podcast, but I just 
love and respect. I'll bring it back up with another movie. My grandfather. Your great grandfather, Dane Coolidge. What's that from? It's uh, the part in Pulp Fiction where Christopher Walken brings Bruce Willis's character, The Watch. I'm going to get killed. I never saw that, like, start to finish. Just bits and pieces of it. Your great grandfather, Dane Coolidge, wore this uncomfortable hunk of metal. And I'm not going to finish that. But uh, one one thing before we get to Matt Harvey uh, and his situation, um, and it's something that I keep seeing on Twitter, and I want to spin myself through the roof, and that is this debate, and it's not even a debate; it's a one-sided argument about uh, pimping it around the bases. Flipping a bat if you hit a home run. Oh, you've been on fire on Twitter and Facebook the last few days with this <laughs> and, bat flip stuff. And, and doing this stuff. Now, listen. Let me. I hated the Bautista thing. I'm not going to backtrack on that. I think Lou and I agree on it, that it was the seventh inning of the game. It wasn't a walk-off home run. You still had two innings to play. The game wasn't in hand. It wasn't a big home run. Absolutely. Yes. Probably the biggest of the season. Absolutely. But it was in the seventh inning. But it was in the seventh inning. I have no issue with a pitcher getting the last out of a game, pumping his fist, and showing emotion. I have no issue with a batter who, if his team is down by two and hits a three-run walk-off home run to end the game, if he wants to throw the bat into the press box, I don't care. That is a huge home run. It's fine. But if, if baseball, this is my point. If baseball needs their players to hit a first or second inning home run and launch the bat into the dugout and then, like, do the histrionics, like pulling on the jersey and popping out the chain all the way around the bases in the first and second inning, if you need that to make this game more exciting, I don't want to be part of it. I'm sorry. That's just not baseball to me. And we have Hall of Fame players, and there's a laundry list now. Goose Gossage has taken crap from, from Michael Kay. I've heard it. He's told Goose to pipe down. He's told Mike Schmidt to pipe down. Hey, Michael, listen to me, okay? I haven't said this on Twitter. I'm, I'm not going to get in a Twitter war with Michael Kay. I'm going to be very tame when I say this. They are Hall of Fame baseball players. They might not have the correct opinion or the opinion that is now moving forward in baseball, but damn it, they have the right to have that opinion. They're Hall of Freaking Famers. They've earned that freaking right. That's true. Don't tell them to shut up and don't tell them to get a clue. These guys are in Cooperstown for crying out loud. And if they have that opinion, well, then damn it, that's right. That's their right to have that opinion. We've, we've talked about this in the past. It doesn't matter whether you think an opinion is right or wrong. You have the right to have it. and So they have to shut can, up, but, you can respect but it. everybody else could go gaga about bat flips? You know, they Easter Sunday, I, I was working on Easter Sunday doing you know social media for the Yankees game against Ugh. the Twins. And they actually, Kenny and Coney got into this a little bit because they had a highlight reel of Byung-Ho Park, right. who is like, he was pretty much the cheerleaders away from that scene in basketball where the guy hits the <laughs> shot and it, you know, like, I mean his his bat flips are, were were ridiculous, legendary. And in Korea, that's apparently cool. The Fine. K, the KBO is a notoriously hitter friendly league to begin with. Like a five ERA is good in the KBO. Could but, I could I just say something really quick before I forget and I'll let you finish? Sure. Sean Casey, I'm gonna let you finish. Sean Casey was on with um, how about that play with Joe and Evan. Mm-hmm. Two days ago. Evan and Joe. Yeah. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> on WFAN Sports, Sports Radio. Radio. Um, and they asked Casey because something was leaked out from a reporter that, you know, opening night between the Mets and, and, and the Royals. Someone said to Ned Yost, hey, he wasn't in the neighborhood, by the way. He, no, he didn't get called out. But that, was a, that was a great play. But I don't Can know. Can you imagine a, if they called that a double play? Whoever that is is the Cardinals' third shortstop <laughs> of the game because Tejada left early and Garcia moved over to second after he replaced him. But that was a nice a, a heads up play. But someone asked Ned Yost, not Ned Yost. I'm sorry, Sean Casey. No, no, no. The, 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 no. Yost is the manager of the Royals. Yeah. I'm, I'm stupid today um, and every day. But ne- somebody asked Ned Yost, um, pretty much, "Hey, we heard that you guys are going to retaliate for what happened with Syndergaard." Thrown on opening night. And, and he dismissed it as saying, why the hell are we going to... We won the World Series. Why? But they asked Sean Casey point blank. And Casey's not too far removed from this game. Casey's not Goose Gossage, okay? No, Casey's not um, Mike Schmidt. He's also not a Hall of Famer. Albeit, as the Yankees have their bags packed, they're going to Miami. Uh, they're showing that on Yes right now. They're Starlin Castro's but here's, bag. But here's what Casey said. Okay, guys, if that was me and I was up and I wore one in the ribs or in, or in my backside or in the middle of my numbers, I would have put my bat down and I would have ran to first base and it would have been over with. That's how it's policed. I would expect, not I'm going to be mad, I would expect retribution. That's, that's what Sean that Casey was, said. He works for the MLB Network. And that was the talk of, of everybody last year and into the thing with everything, the retribution and the Chase Utley and, and everything involving the Mets that happened in the postseason. You know, that's how the game polices itself. That happens, you know what, you're going to take one in the ass or in the ribs right. and you're done. Thanks for right. coming. And, and David Ortiz. As long as it's not at the head. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And this is what pissed me off about him last year. And I don't care if it's his retire. I don't give a rat's Took us that it's David Ortiz's last year in the game of baseball because this guy has been showing up pitchers his entire freaking career. I've had enough of them. I'm glad it's his last year. Enough up to here. And this whole nonsense at Yankee Stadium, getting up and giving him a standing. What are you nuts? What are you freaking out of your mind? This guy has killed your team. He's shown up your pitchers. And I did the research last year, if you remember correctly, over I don't know how many at-bats it was, but it's been a lot. He's been hit three times by Yankee pitching. Three. Mm-hmm. Three freaking times. And he's hit Yankee pitching a lot right. more than that, especially Mike Myers. And there was, in it, there, was a, there, was, there was a big spot in a Yankee Red Sox game last year, and CeCe Sabathia got a huge strikeout against David Ortiz. It was his last batter. And he knew it. Mm-hmm. And he knew he had to get him out. Struck him out. Pumped his fist. Got really pumped going off the, off the mound. And, and Ortiz David got Ortiz mad. got mad. Yeah. This punk got mad. And that's what he is. He's a punk. He's been doing that his whole career. So CeCe pumps his fist and he gets upset. It spurred me to write a blog. And you can check it out at chrisheeran.com, by the way. I remember that. Pope Poppy the First was the uh, title of it. Go, go read it and enjoy it. And you could get all the – I think that's where the, all the research was with, mm-hmm. with, with, the, with the, him getting hit by Yankee pitching. So you could find out in that article that I wrote or column or blog, whatever the hell you want to call it. But it works both ways. If you're going to sit there and basically take pose for poster pictures after you hit one off a pitcher – and listen, when Sean Casey was saying what he said on Evan and Joe, not once – and he even said, look, I'm not saying go headhunting. That's stupid. That's absolutely stupid. You're, you're talking about 
a guy's livelihood, yeah. his career. You don't go headhunting. You don't let a two-seamer get away. And that's basically what Syndergaard did. And then he went and he said it after the game. Yeah, I did it. That's, uh, that's another thing you don't do. Yeah. The, that kind of retaliation in police should be between the, the, letters, the letters and the end of your sliding shorts. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Between the one and the seven on your back. The ribs, that's where you the should ribs, get hit. The ribs, the back, maybe the butt. And that's, the thigh, that's yeah. and, and then you move on. You don't even look at the pit. You just, okay, gotcha. Yeah. My dad told me a story. Uh, I, I think it was Bob Gibson. Something happened in a Cardinal game one season. And then at spring training the next year, Bob Gibson drilled the batter that, that did whatever he did. And he was going down to first, and he called out to Gibson. He said, what was that for? And he goes, remember... Such and such. He goes, oh, yeah. And he just ran the first. Yeah. I'm not saying injure the guy. I'm not even saying hit the guy. But if you want to brush somebody back, if you want to come inside, that's all I'm saying. If you want to do that nonsense, if you want to pimp it around the bases, and believe me, if Bryce Harper becomes a Yankee in 2018, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I'm going to be, if, if I'm blessed enough to still be here and doing this podcast, I'm not going to like it. No. Not going to change my tune. No. And you haven't. So you've been consistent on that. I can say that. <sighs> can we talk before we move on? Because we, we have two more topics we want to talk about in the next 15 I know minutes. I kind of threw that out. Can at we you. talk about one other? Sure. Overweight aging Red Sox. Pablo Sandoval not making the <laughs> starting lineup. <laughs> now, <laughs> and he's making seventy and a half million. Now we've talked, we've talked ad nauseum this spring, you and I, and on the podcast a couple weeks ago about the CC Sabathia situation and are they going to have a twenty five million dollar right. reliever? Right. And we've talked ad nauseum about Chase Headley's case of the yips at right. third base last year, and he's a thirteen yeah. million dollar third baseman. The Red Sox benched Pablo Sandoval, who they signed to a ninety million dollar five year contract last year, seventeen point six million this year. For a guy who basically was Rob Refsnyder. <laughs> Travis Shaw learned how to play third base in AAA last year. And he actually showed up at spring training like Poe. Yeah. Who's Kung Fu Panda, mm-hmm. if you didn't. Yes. He, uh, like Travis Shaw, is, Travis Shaw is a first baseman. And the Red Sox decided to work him out in other spots because they knew that they were going to move another, another overweight, aging, useless player, Hanley Ramirez, to first base. And now I'm overweight, and I'm aging, and I'm also a useless baseball player, so I can call these guys this. They, they knew they were going to move Hanram to first, and they knew they had Sandoval third, so they're going to move him around, maybe play a little first, a little third, maybe some right field, because they've got, you know, Brock Holt, Brock Holt and Chris Young will be platooning in left field for this team, because the Ramirez thing was such a disaster. Uh-huh. And Travis Shaw, who's played third base for all of a month, will be starting an opening day over a guy who was once... Was Sandoval not the World Series MVP a couple years ago? Or at least the NLCS MVP? I th- yeah, I think so. Yeah. And he just lost his job to a guy who learned how to play third base a week and a half ago. It's Talk amazing. about a blow to the old confidence button. I, I saw that when I was picking up my car today at the shop. I saw that cross the – I have the ESPN alerts on my phone. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. How does that happen? Speaking of, my car dealership has about half an hour to call me to let me know how my brakes are before they have the hour they have to fix them before I have to go pick it up. Jerks. Do, you, do you need a ride? No. <laughs> I, I will eventually. As an aside? I will eventually. Um, I, it just It's nice little double play there. I, Pinder's huge. Look at this guy. Oh, my God. Is it, is these, does he have a sleeve, too? Did I see a tattoo on his arm? He might not? have a tattoo. He doesn't have a sleeve, though. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's... 
you talk, we talk about Sabathia and Headley, and this, that, that's got to be. I mean, you're, you're paying this guy seventy plus million dollars over the next four years yeah. as a bench player, right? Whew. Don't show up fat. I mean, that's you know, that, that's maybe the the moral of the story. Uh, you know, the, the get your ass in gear, Pablo. The common denominator that you hear throughout spring training camps: I'm in the best shape of my life. Not, not the case. Today. Not the case with no. the Boston Red Sox. No, definitely not. All right, so we wanted to talk a little bit about the Matt Harvey sitch before we move I on only, to close out with basketball. I only have one thing. And that you don't want him to get uromycetosis poisoning and no, die? No, 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 no. I, I got on Michael for getting on Goose. I want to get back on Michael's side here. And he was screaming yesterday about how he agreed with Harvey shutting down the post in the Daily News. And I completely and wholeheartedly agree with him. This is something that Matt Harvey did not have to disclose to anybody. He didn't have to tell you specifics. He could have said, look, it was a scary situation. I don't want to go into details. Uh, Had some internal issues. Right, but I'm fine now, and uh, I'm starting opening day. I'm good. But he probably thought about it and said, you know, if I leave it open-ended, I'm going to get destroyed. They're going to speculate. So let me just put it out there. And what do these... And, and Michael worked in the newspaper business before he got into TV and radio, obviously. And, and he, he said, basically, these headline writers at these papers will come up with these headlines and then high-five in the newsroom because they're so, they don't care who they hurt as long as they're good and as long as they sell papers. Now, is that their job to sell papers? Mm-hmm. Of course. So I can't get on them for that, but that's, it's just it's embarrassing. Poor taste. You it's remember, in poor taste. Do you remember the uh, the short-lived Fox sitcom Mulaney from last year with the comic John I Mulaney? didn't watch it. Uh, he was look, supposed to be the next Seinfeld. Yeah. How well, that worked out well. Uh, look up his his routine on the New York Post. Okay. I'm, I'll try to Google it after the show for you. It, it's, it's hilarious because it's like they have all these buzzwords and then he goes into it. Like, you know, it's pretty funny. Uh, but that's pretty much it. Like, you know, oh. The Dark Knight peas and, you know, but high it, five. Like, but it was something great. serious. You know, it's yeah. not something you joke about. Seinfeld reference aside with the Euromycetisis poisoning wine. Yeah. Could have shoehorned yeah. several Seinfeld references with the coup de toe, as you showed me yeah. earlier. Yeah, I, Brian I Mitchell. forgot. I completely forgot. You know, Brian Mitchell's left foot, the captain of his toes, the big toe. And the coup de toe. The coup de toe. Oh, there's Big Mike. I peach goo. I feel goo. I happy. <laughs> that's what he says. I mean, that's, that's what he says. We love oh, Big Mike. He's by, always smiling no matter what. By the way, you could hear me. I, the reason why we didn't have a podcast on Monday is because I was, for the second time this year, I think the first time was the flu. Yeah. Because my head was a mess and I had a fever. This time it's just a cold. And I think it's that like end of winter cold that yeah, I'm going spores through. Spores are coming out of the pot. But I just, things. I didn't want to. Yeah, in fact, lose. We'll so. only have one next week too, because I will be in in the Bronx for opening day, and then I am off Tuesday, so we'll only have one next week as well. But then we'll be back on regular rotation. We also have a little uh, fun going on on Thursday. We're going to hang out with uh, our good friend. Oh yeah, Jimmy Norton. Going to see Jim Norton's show. So uh, we're. I'm trying. I'm efforting to get him on the podcast Thursday before the show. Yep, Wednesday or Thursday, depending on when. Yeah. We do it. I I know that doesn't make sense to do it Thursday because his show is Thursday, but I just like to have him on right? because he's a big Yankee fan. He wants to go to a Yankee game with me this year, so 
we could have him on and have some fun. So we have, yeah, we have that coming, but we're uh, we're good. So the Matt Harvey thing is what it is. I agree with you and Michael. It just, you know, it's it's a new era of journalism, and it's not great. That's terrible. Speaking of a new era of journalism, segue. Uh, let's <laughs> spend the last ten minutes or so here we have talking about something that I know is near and dear to your heart. And that's the situation with the Lakers and D'Angelo Russell. We're all and about Nick situations and, and today. Nick Young. It's situ- we should have had, we should have called the situation. The headline, up. The, the title of this podcast is going to be the Situation Room. Apologies to Wolf Blitzer in advance. That was a nice hit. Who um, was that? I don't know. I didn't see. Uh, but you know who could fill it's in? It's number seventy. The situation could fill in for Wolf Blitzer, I mean, I don't and know it who could that still is. be the Situation Room. Yeah, he could just do ab workout for an who, hour. I don't know who that is. Number seventy. It's a minor league guy. Naga, not not going to work here anymore. Not going to be with the team on Monday. Guy who's headed back across the street to a box lunch. Oh, um, boy. Yeah. The, Matt, uh, the Swaggy, the swaggy P. P, D'Angelo Russell situation. I, I, I learned most of what I learned about this this morning while I was waiting for the tree guy to come show up to give me an estimate on the tree that fell in my yard this week. It's and always I, fun. And I have this to say. Blow it up. Just blow it up. Los uh-huh. Angeles, the Lakers, well, blow, they, they blow were going to do it anyway. Just blow it up. They didn't need this. They were going to do Just, it anyway. But, but everybody out there. Byron Scott should should be uh, fired tomorrow. I, I don't care if there's eight games left in the season. Just fire him now everybody, and get it over Well, with. that's the first thing you need to do. And everybody out there who wants to trade D'Angelo Russell, my, my, one of my good friends, dear friend, John Moshos, who, who owns the diner that we go to eat at all the time here in Stanford, uh, the, uh, the, the Elm Street, Street Diner. diner. Uh, tremendous food, by the way. If you're in the area, you need to go for dinner. Their donuts are fantastic. The donuts are great, but you need to go for dinner and get one of the specials because Chef Louie is amazing. Amazing. That, that's all. It's not a diner. I'm telling you. Check my Instagram. There's so many pictures of this, the things that Louie makes, and it doesn't taste like diner food. It's like four or five-star restaurant. But anyway, I digress. John is a huge Laker fan. He will be in L.A. on April 13th for Kobe's last home game. Uh, he was out there earlier for the Warriors game that the Lakers actually won. Mm-hmm. Um, when they scored 79 points? Yeah, that game? yeah. He, he goes. He, he goes to L.A., Good friends with Spiro Ditas used to be the play-by-play voice yep. of the Los Angeles Now the Lakers. backup Knicks play-by-play guy as right. well as other endeavors. CBS Sports, yep. too. Um, but John, he, he looks at me and he says, bro, how – and he could bro me because he's my bro. Bro, how could people want to trade the number two overall pick in the NBA draft? D'Angelo Russell is one of the – cornerstones that you want to build around on this Laker team right now. He's one of them. Swaggy P is not. No. And Colin Cowherd made a great point. He might be the third best player on the Lakers at this point, but he's still not a cornerstone. Colin Cowherd made a great point because John like lined up things on, on YouTube for me to watch yesterday because I had seen it. I had just not gotten to it yet. He, he really got it to me. And I watched... Uh, Stephen A. Smith basically yell for two and a half minutes about it. And then I saw Colin Cowherd. And he made a great point. And Colin said, you know, okay, he broke the quote-unquote bro code. Okay? But swaggy, a guy named Swaggy P is the – he's the guy we're feeling sorry for? Mm-hmm. Really? Him engaged to 
Iggy Azalea, Azale- however the hell you say her name. I, I haven't heard a single beat Iggy of Azalea any of makes, her songs. Miss, makes me miss, I'll tell you that story later, makes me miss Francisco Cervelli and David Hoff. I'll tell all you that story all right. later. But anyway, um, we're worried about Nick Young and his feelings. Look, I'm I'm not part. I'm not an NBA player. Hey, to be fair, he obviously. was. You know, he did have his privacy violated. He did. He did. And I would never even think. Oh, took that one right in the chest. Of running tape when I'm talking to one of my friends in any situation. I I tell people when I interview the guys in the clubhouse, the Yankees, even if it's a guy I know well, I'm just like I'm just going to hit my turn my recorder on just so I don't misquote you. And, right, and, like, Ru- and and they know that my yeah. recorder on my phone is in their face. Russell, what did he do? He went faced the media. Young didn't say too much, but Russell faced the media. Said he was sick. He said he doesn't know how it got out. And who knows? He's nineteen years old. He's nineteen. He's a nineteen-year-old kid who makes a ton of money for a nineteen-year-old kid. And the NBA's rules lead to a lot of maturity issues for their younger players. Look right. at what's happened with uh, no uh, what's Jaleel Okafor in Philly this year. I mean, he's was there was there this much outcry? I, I just I remember the situation again. Situation, big word today on the podcast. But I can't remember the – I know the media outcry was ridiculous. But amongst the players, was it this bad when Gilbert Arenas pulled a gun on somebody in the locker room? Sort of. That was also – you remember how that was played off as how it was always around. Like it was an accepted thing with Gilbert Arenas and the Wizards locker room at the time. Okay, so, I, so taping I, so somebody I mean, that's, talking about, you know, basically cheating on his fiance. It doesn't make it right. It's right up it on par with somebody pulling a gun. It, neither situation or, or any set of circumstances make either one right. But, yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. I don't Look, know. here's the thing. But he went out and got booed yep. and led the Lakers to a win over the Heat. Now, immature for a 19-year-old to do what he did and have that video get out and even take that video – but I think it's even shows that he's got a future that he went out there. He was able to handle all that nonsense and lead the Lakers to a win. He does. And here's, here's the problem. And I'm not taking swaggy P side because I think swaggy P is an idiot myself. Stop calling yourself swaggy P. First of all, there's no P in Nick Young. I I, I, might've flunked spelling in school, but there's no P in Nick Young. Well, it might stand for something. There is in Matt Harvey, but there's no P in Nick Young. See what I did there. Anyway. Uh, I, I, yeah. Um, Here's, here's the issue. Just as bad as the post. Yeah, he's 19 years old, and he's immature, and he's this and that. Oh, good Lord. That's going to get a run home. He topped it. Yeah. Too much top You don't have to run that hard, bro. Um, here's the thing with that. D'Angelo Russell may be a talented player. He's the number two pick in the draft, and he's been jerked around all season. With You know what's going on with Byron Scott and his playing time and him and Randall and blah, 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 blah. It was Eddie Rodriguez. Yeah. Eddie Rodriguez, number 70. Um, can you trust him? This this is the question. Perception is reality, and but if, trust if, him with but, trust him but with here's what? The thing. But if you're a Lake, here, listen. We talk a lot about how chemistry in a clubhouse in a locker room is very important, right? Nineteen or not, this guy does this, and whether or not you know, oh, we prank each other all the time. This was a prank, and people. If you're a guy going to the Lakers, and you look at the you know, or looking to go to the Lakers as a free agent, and Kobe's going to this and that. Oh yeah, their point guard's great, but he's you know he's an undercover PI in his spare time. I can't trust this guy. That's huge, especially for a point guard. Okay, 
That's the but now, do you trust now maturity the, level aside. That's the situation. Is that? But do you trust them on the floor? Yeah, but you okay. can't, you can't build that. You know, you you can't build that trust by just so, saying, you know what, he's a mercenary. So D'Angelo Russell's career is over because he let this video leak. I'm not saying his career is over, but I'm not saying it's just going to blow over and be like, oh, I'm sorry, it's over. It won't just blow over. It'll take. It's going to have a bit of take time. It's going to have a bit of a ripple. You're right. Effect. You're you're absolutely right. I'm not I'm not arguing with that. But but that's the argument for that's, that's the argument for trading him if you're Mitch Kupchak and the Bus family. I don't think you trade that guy though. I just don't. I don't think you. Well, you're going to keep Nick Young. You're going to trade the Angelo Russell. You don't have to keep Nick Young either. But what I'm saying is the defense in that situation for Mitch Kupchak and his team. He's still the GM there, right? He hasn't been fired yet. Either no. way, whoever the hell the no. Lakers GM is doesn't matter because they stink. Yeah, whoever the GM is there, that's that could be a plausible defense for if they decide to trade him, regardless of the hall they get. Is like, look, you know, we're building this in the locker room. It's a trust issue. We need to make sure our team is on the same page, and we can't have this. And sometimes, sometimes you need to be. Sometimes people need to be made an example of, for others to learn from the example, or for the person to learn from the example. That's that's really all I can say about it. He's, he's not a, saying right or wrong. I get your point. He's a nineteen-year-old kid. I really don't think he would put this thing out there. Ben Gamble and, and his wonderful head of <clears throat> lettuce just struck out and hysterical. do this because he he knows. The repercussions if that gets out. And now he's feeling them. There is no way, no way, no how, that that kid wanted that to get out. Nope. None. None. And these people who want to trade, I, I just, I, I think you're, you're idiotic. But again, like I said. And, I'm, you know, Donnie Marshall's here tonight for, for the uh, pre and post game show. Talk to him about it. And I am going to get beg jo- get Josh, Josh Isaac, Isaac to throw that in there. To throw it into the pregame. Or D- po- Double J, the, if you're listening, do it, buddy. Maybe not the pre. The post. But the post. Have a little discussion back Especially and forth. Especially, I don't know if the Lakers are playing a back-to-back, but if there's a I Lakers highlight. Who cares? Donnie has been in these locker rooms. He could, you know, wax poetic about the, you know, Chris Farley air quote bro code, mm-hmm. which, yeah, he did break, but, you know, <laughs> what, what, what's the punishment for breaking bro code? Eating by yourself because he ate breakfast and no one in, ate with sit him. Sit in the front of the bus next to the coach. I don't, uh, know. I don't know. We, I'd love to have Donnie on next week if he's if he's Let's amenable. Let's do that. Um, I'll, I'll talk to him in, tonight in, and tomorrow. In two weeks, actually, when we do our Nets yeah, wrap, wrap up. Because there's six games left. They've, they're punching the and, clock at this and point. I'll, and it'll be two weeks after this has transpired, right. so maybe we'll see what Because I'd also love to talk to him, especially if UConn wins the national championship, the UConn The women, women yeah. About that atmosphere there. It's the fir- That'd be the first time ever a team has won four straight national titles. And Brianna Stewart could end up going down as the greatest player in college basketball of history. all time. Yeah. And Donnie knows a thing or two about success at UConn. Yeah. What with the, the Marshalls era. Yeah. Back in the Danielle day. Danielle and Donnie. Mm-hmm. So he's yeah. part of the first big run of UConn. That basketball. is a great idea. I'm going to see if he's available in a couple of weeks, yep. and uh, he'll definitely do it. Because yep. so next, we'll next week we'll have all the opening day yeah. and everything, and then we can focus on the Nets in two weeks uh, once their season is over officially. But, um, you know, the one last thought, that's the thing we've talked about with, you know, Google it millennials and all this stuff we talk about is like there is an air sometimes of invincibility with immature, younger people, yeah. especially athletes in this situation. I mean, you know, you can go all the way down to things like even Michael Vick has said that was part of it with him and the dogfighting thing. Like he got all this money at a young age. He came from nothing. It, yeah. it, it does what it does. 
not condoning anything Michael Vick no, ever did. No, you can't, but, but you have to take a look at the culture that surrounds right. the person growing up. And you know you what? You have to. Maybe, it's, a, it's a factor. Maybe these guys, you know, maybe in D'Angelo Russell's world, it's cool because, ah, whatever, it's on Instagram, yo, I'm cool. Yeah. And, and Michael you know what? Vick, it, it ain't cool, D'Angelo. And Michael Vick, by the way, and I know a lot of you dog lovers are going to hate me for saying this, Speak. he did time. Yeah. He did, he was in jail. Speaking of Matt Tracy from earlier in the podcast, he's in the ninth inning because the Yankees are out of pitchers. He's, he's closing this one out, down yeah, 9-1. Pineda, Pineda went an inning shorter than, than they wanted, and Swarzak threw 35 pitches in two-thirds of an inning, yeah. so I think they're out of pitchers. But Pineda, nice 83-mile-an-hour hook. Oof. Pineda had a can of whiplash opened on him today. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that's my thoughts on the Swaggy P situation. So, you know, sometimes someone has to be made an example of for an example to be set. So that's the, that's the only defense Mitch Kupchak could use. You're absolutely right. That, that would be the only thing. All right. We did it, partner. We did it. Magic hour. Magic hour. We missed Monday, but we... Very little editing. I just got to cut out the, the opening, you know, when I hit record to test everything, yes. and that's about it. Yeah. All right. All right. So for Lou DiPietro, I'm Chris Sheeran. We're going to finish watching it. Oh, my God. I thought we were almost the umpire with the ball throwing at the <laughs> Nice play. Oh, God. Anyway, for Lou DiPietro, I'm Chris Sheeran. We'll see you next time here on the Chris Sheeran Show podcast on iTunes and YesNetwork.com.